Welcome back to Taxpayer Talk. I'm Max, and in today's episode, I'm with ACT Party List MP Karen Shaw, party spokesperson for children, child poverty reduction, and social development. Karen, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. This is very much an introductory podcast just to introduce our uh, listeners to who you are and what's brought you into politics and what you're doing here. So how would you describe your political philosophy? I've just come here because of frustration of what I was seeing going on in my community and feeling helpless um, in guiding these people with their issues. And so I put my hand up because I felt that there was no voice in Parliament to, to um, express what these people are going through. So if I can just make a difference in one person's life, it's made the sacrifice of being away from my family worth it. So what's keeping you busy in Parliament at the moment? Uh, we've had a, a lot going on at the moment, but we're just going through the budget stage and we're going through all the different estimates of what the government is intending to spend over the, over the next um, cycle. So that's been quite interesting, just going through all the documents and seeing where the money is going. And what's that been like, the jump from being a, a just regular citizen, a mother of four, to suddenly being an MP, a lot of time being spent in Wellington? How, what sort of uh, toll or ups and downs have been involved with that? Uh, I'm actually very fortunate to have quite a supportive family who could see the reasons I, I wanted to do what I'm doing and have um, actually been there through, for me through the toughest times of my life. So. I've been with my partner since I was around um, 16 years old and he's seen me at my worst and he's seen um, what damage can be done when, when society lets you down and also the system lets you down and he stuck by me through that and now I hope seeing me actually trying to make a change and make a difference in that area he can understand why I want to do that. And so they're very much uh, a, a, not necessarily a single issue MP, but a very singular focused uh, MP. So why ACT? Uh, what, what drove you to ACT in that case? I really liked their values. Their values about um, personal responsibility but, uh, and, and about getting out there and just making life work for you. But I've never understood why people think ha you can't have a prosperous, successful society without a social conscience. I, th I don't think it could, should be one or the other. I think you can have both. And uh, I think they could work quite well together if you get the balance right. For sure. And uh, on the issues of mental health, child poverty reduction, child well-being, these are all issues that the current government has talked a very big talk about. Um, as someone with direct experience in these areas, how would you assess you know, their talk against their walk, what they're saying against what they're actually delivering? So look, I didn't come here to play the blame game. I didn't come mm -hmm. here to say, oh, you should have done this and you should have done that. Um, I like what they're trying to achieve. I just don't agree with the direction they're going in. And I know these things take time, but it seems like we've been waiting a very long time. And I mean, the perfect example is this uh, review into abuse and care, the inquiry that's going on. And it's going back quite a long time. And I think we've just got that backwards because while we're reviewing what happened in the past, 
we're ignoring what's happening happening in the present. And I, I would really hate to be the person standing up in 20 years' time from now apologising because we didn't deal with what happened right now. And so I think there needs to be a balance. I think we need to be concentrating on, on, on the devastation that's going on in our communities now. And uh, I just think it's just going too slow. We've got a lot of reviews, we've got a lot of inquiries, but it doesn't seem like anything's being actioned. Uh, I, I see, and, and on that issue of the, the focus, you spoke in your maiden speech about the, how the isms of the world, racism, sexism, uh, and this government's uh, focus on them seem to distract us from problems and personal responsibilities. Do you want to develop on that further? Well, it's the same thing I just said to you before. We're not here to play the blame game, and it's very easy to go down that rabbit hole and blame racism, sexism, classism, and all those things. But, I mean, uh, looking in the past and, and blaming those things isn't going to make a change. Uh, actually looking forward and finding solutions is going to be the way to make the change. So, on the topic of solutions then, if you were Minister of Oranga Tamariki for a day, um, with some pretty unrestrained powers, just three big changes that you'd like to see almost immediately. I think I'd just like to see social workers be able to voice their concerns mm -hmm. and social workers to be able to have a voice in, in how the organisation runs because they are the front people that go out there and, and see things that the normal New Zealanders just couldn't even comprehend, probably wouldn't even believe that half the stuff is happening and, and allowing social workers to maybe have a voice in the framework of how the organisation is running. Because um, recently uh, I've been reading in the paper that social workers are concerned that the way things are going, that they can't do their job um, because of um, public backlash or perception that they're doing something wrong, when actually all they're trying to do is protect our young people. And I think they have one of the hardest jobs in New Zealand at the moment with all the pressures that are going on um, in regards to how Oranga Tamariki has had some failures recently. And, and I think we just need to give them a big ups because um, these people are the ones out there protecting our children. You've also spoken on the issue of uh, smoking, which is uh, something that the government's really taking to heart at the moment mm -hmm. with the smoke-free 2025. Mm -hmm. As a previous yeah. smoker, what, what do you think they're missing? Uh, are they missing anything? Uh, what's, your, what's your take on their current action? Well, I know how hard it is to give up smoking. I smoked for a very long time. I actually took up smoking as a teenager. Um, I was using it as a crutch for my stresses. Um, and it is a very hard thing to give up. And I, ju I just think we should be focusing on the positive ways that we could be dealing with this. Um, and uh, I just think going down that road of changing the rules that are so ridiculous that if you don't want smoking in New Zealand and you want smoke three by 2025, it's a legal product and treating people like they're doing something illegal is not the way to go about it. You've had a, a, a very long path to Parliament uh, and when did you, you realise, what was the moment that you realised that you had a chance at uh, joining the ACT Party, had a chance of being an MP, oh, oh my God, I'm about to enter Parliament. Um, when, when did those moments happen for you? 
I think it kind of just happens slowly. You're not really thinking about it when you're campaigning because for me it wasn't about me, it was about the party and it was about getting people's voices into Parliament. And I, I, yes, I was thinking um, it would be great if I could do that. I think it was more maybe a couple of weeks before the election, um, sat down with my partner and when he actually said to me, you might get there, you know, and I said, yeah, I might. And then on election night, it was, it was exciting and it was uh, watching the numbers growing and then realising, hey, this is actually a thing now. A and that transition from just being a, a normal New Zealander to uh, from one day and then the next day, you're somebody that, that people look to and look up to is, is actually quite an honour. Yeah. What's been the biggest, uh, not the biggest, but what's been the strangest uh, change that you've not just working in Parliament? How is it different from a regular workspace? What's been the uh, what's been the strangest uh, sort of interaction you've had? I think it's not so much being in Parliament. It's going back into your community. So talking to your friends and and family, and they look at you a bit differently. Like you walk in one day and your friend says, "How should I address you?" And it's like the same way you've always addressed me. Um, just that awkwardness in the beginning where people um, look at you like you're going to change. But um, I don't want this place to change me. I just want to be who I am and, and try and use what I've been through in life as a, as a guide and a stepping stone to, to making some positive changes. So you're in a minority party outside of Parliament. So what are the changes that you're looking to have, you're looking to make, whilst you're realistically, whilst you're in office? Um, I think it's about holding the government to account. I think it's about making sure that, that we have a voice for the community. So if we see things that the community aren't happy about, it's our job to go out there and voice that concern to government and hopefully they take that into consideration when, when they are changing things. Um, how would you describe working with all of your new colleagues in caucus? Um, I, I'm not too familiar with the process but I understand that you would all be quite recent acquaintances yes. within the last year and it's in a very high pressure environment. Um, how have you found it? I think the good thing about um, our team is we didn't just meet in the campaign, mm -hmm. so so we had a lot of build up before the campaign even started. Um, I met um, Mark quite a while before the election where he had organised a tractor rally in Dargaville. So the first time I met Mark was, was at that stage and, and I got to know him from there. And I met um, a few of the others during our practical politics course with the ACT Party. So, so we knew each other a little bit before the campaign. Um, the team's amazing. We all have our, our different um, skills we've brought to the table. We've all come from different lives, but we've all got the same, the same goal, and I, I think it works really well. The ACT Party performed very, very well uh, in the last election. Um, what actions are you guys taking to uh, hold that or to increase the number of votes you receive come next election? Uh, I think it's just um, doing what we promised to do, mm -hmm. hold the government to account, be their voice, and, and listen to the people that have lost their voices, um, because I think there's quite a lot of those New Zealanders out there at the moment, 
that are just frustrated um, with the direction we're going. And some of those issues may be big and some of those issues may be small, but I think every New Zealander deserves that to be listened to. And I think if we do that right, we could do quite well next time. Um, so, what's your favourite, and what would you say were your favourite and least favourite taxes? I think taxes have a place in society, and I think there are a lot of things we need to pay for. We have our, our medical system, we have our nurses and our police and everybody that keeps this country running. But every time we, we create a new tax, there, there's unintended consequences to that. And every time we raise minimum wages or we put a tax on petrol or, or, or we're looking around at how we can um, fund things, we have to also take into consideration that this may harm the people we're trying to help the most because the poorest in our communities are the ones that end up paying. So I just, I just wish when we're making these decisions that we, we understand if we add a tax on the petrol, everything goes up. If, if we add a tax onto road user charges, everything goes up. And so uh, a person in the community that goes to the supermarket each week is now seeing a huge rise in how much it costs to feed their family. And so to counterbalance that, we're having to pay more to our beneficiaries so they can afford to keep up with the cost of living. And I think we just, we just need to understand that even though we're, we're paying more into our lower society, uh, the cost of living is probably outstripping that. So we, we need to look at that. And so you're, you're also, like I said before, it's a very high pressure environment, but also outside of the party, you're in a, you're in a very uh, high conflict environment, especially on sitting days. So, you know, you watch people inside the house and they're really going at each other. And, you know, David's up there, uh, like yesterday, really trying to tear, rip some holes into the prime minister. What's it like uh, when you all step away from uh, your seats at the end of a sitting session? Uh, how have you found uh, members of the other parties to be? Well, like I said, we're all here for a reason. We've all got our, our agendas that we're trying to achieve. And I think um, that's the place where we address it, in the House, in the debating chamber, and in select committees. But I think outside of the House, um, we're all quite polite to each other um, because it's not personal. It's not about attacking the person, it's about attacking their policies. Mm -hmm. And I think as long as we don't go down the direction of the blame game, attacking the person, and actually coming up with solutions and proposing an alternative way um, that we're doing a good job. If we start opposing just for opposing's sake, then I think um, we're going down the wrong road. Uh, very true. Um, if, if you could have one message to the Prime Minister that she had to listen to, didn't have a choice about it, what would you like to say to her? Just like to say that, um, you know, we can make decisions that affect people's lives. We're in a position of authority. Uh, and, and the decisions we make here have a roll-on effect and have unintended consequences. Uh, and People are not just numbers, people are not just a statistic. Go out there, actually ask the questions and speak to the people and, and know the problem. Child poverty is more than about throwing money and saying we've taken thousands of people out of poverty. There's so much more to it than that. We need to be supporting these people out of poverty. 
Uh, and I think uh, giving them better resources to get out there and, and have more opportunities to actually do it for themselves um, is a better way of going about it. And, and you say um, it's you know a multifaceted issue, so there's a lot of ways to come at mm. it and a lot of issue, areas that need to be solved. Um, and like you said, I don't think, to be honest, the average Wellingtonian inside the Beltway um, has much of an idea about that. Could you maybe, lay, if, it's, if, mm. if simply throwing money at the problem isn't enough, what, what is it going to take? I mean, money's helpful, yep. don't get me wrong. <laughs> um, money makes the world go around, but it, it's, it's like... It's a very um, sensitive topic, and a, a lot of people don't address this topic because it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It's an uncomfortable um, discussion to have because we don't want to believe that these things are happening. We don't want to believe that people are out there hurting, hurting their family and their children. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure half of these people that are doing that don't want to be doing that either. Um, but they've got themselves into a position where A, that they've just become so desensitised to it they don't understand it. Or B, they don't see any other way. And I think we need to show them another way. When you're in this world and you feel like you don't belong and you feel like you don't have a place, it can be quite devastating. And we can take that out on the people we love. So it's about showing them a light at the end of the tunnel and saying it doesn't matter where you come from, it doesn't define who you are. You can be anybody. We all have these opportunities. It's just sometimes we don't know how to take them up. We don't feel like we deserve to have those opportunities. And we can self-sabotage. And it's teaching to learn when you're self-sabotaging and saying, you deserve this as much as anybody else. You, know, you deserve to be here. You have a purpose. And everybody born into this world has a purpose. And you have one. We just haven't found it yet. You know, find your passion, follow it, and just try, because you never know unless you try. I mean, look at me, look where I'm sitting right now. And, and, and I'm not saying that to gloat, I'm, I'm saying that as, it, I want to set a good example for people and show, you know, I could have sat there and said, I'm not gonna try, there's no way I'd be able to do that. But I put my hand up and I got out of my comfort zone and decided that, Going out of that comfort zone is worth it. If I can be a voice for everybody else, it's not about me. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming on Taxpayer Talk. Thank you. The Taxpayer Talk podcast is made possible by the tens of thousands of New Zealanders who join or support the Taxpayers Union at taxpayers.org.nz. Constructive feedback is welcome via podcast at taxpayers.org.nz and don't forget to hit subscribe or even give us a five-star review on your podcast app.